Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus O'Carroll in Chicago. As always, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or you can email me at hello at onstrategyshowcase.com. If you're like me, you find yourself at one or many uh, parts of your career being asked to develop what are labeled as CSR programs, cor- corporate social responsibility programs. And many times, um, it's difficult because you try to find a legitimate way in a legitimate program or an aspect of social responsibility or other uh, or other such uh, issues of activism or, of, or, or conservation where your brand can naturally fit. The worst thing, and the thing I think all of us as marketers fear, is doing something that feels forced. And it's so unfortunate that many times that's exactly what seems to be happening. Now, I think um, more recently we have a habit of using the word purpose when it comes to this, and it's sort of an expanded uh, definition of what corporate social responsibility, uh, use, how, how it used to be defined. But either way, it is extremely challenging. So when you find one that is really wonderful, it deserves to be celebrated and shared. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. I first came across uh, uh, Finnish Skip the Rinse, I think it was about maybe a year and a half ago when they won a Warwick Award for Effectiveness. That was here in the U.S. And I had Omar Khan on. He uh, He's the uh, VP Marketing here in the here. In North America, and we had um, we had Havas uh, on the show out of New York also, and it was a great show. And um, it then got on my radar for a second time more recently when the activities coming out of uh, Istanbul, Turkey, again through Havas and working with uh, with Finnish, um, uh, really really caught my eye. There's a couple of things that have been happening. One is glasses of drought which is a phenomenal program. And I would encourage you to check out the, the, the films that are on our website at onstrategyshowcase.com to see this work. Uh, Glasses of Drought is amazing. Uh, secondly, is called Water Index, which followed on the heels of, of Glasses of Drought. And they're both beautiful examples of organic programs that are connected to consumer behavior, in other words, and to conservation. So you've got a product benefit connected to an issue of conservation and then directly connected to a consumer behavior that when you spotlight it is recognized by the consumer as just being questionable. And that's exactly what needs to happen is that there's a consumer benefit, not only from a social responsibility perspective, but also from their pocketbook. And in my experience, that's always the best way uh, to, to generate a successful program if you can create those multiple benefit levels. So we are going to be talking uh, to Jem um, uh, August Jam, uh, Category Marketing Manager at Finnish and Surface Care for Reket in Turkey, and Volkan Dagalik, Chief Creative Officer for Havas in uh, Istanbul. It's a great case. I hope you enjoy it. And this is uh, Glasses of Drought and Water Index. Enjoy. We'll be right back. Hello, my name's James Herman, and this is my best Fergus O'Carroll impression. 
But actually, I sound like this, and now that I got your attention, I want you to consider becoming a master of advertising effectiveness, which you can do with me on a six-week online program that'll give you a next-level understanding of how to make advertising that creates consistently better commercial results. Over the past decade, institutions like the IPA, the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, and Walk have used huge evidence bases to uncover what really works and how it works. And now all of that knowledge is yours when you become a master of advertising effectiveness. Our next cohort starts in April. Check it out at mae.academy. That's mae.academy. What is Finish as a product and what's its brand proposition? Sure. Uh, so Finnish uh, has been uh, a leading uh, dishwashing uh, detergent slash complementary products brand uh, that's been uh, basically in the market for quite a long time now. And uh, particularly its sole purpose is to ease the burden of dishwashing because let's face it, none of us are really fans. And uh, while doing so, though, uh, through the power of its product, meaning like through, through always offering superior technology, uh, it aims to empower people and particularly like simple behavior changes, such as stopping pre-rinsing, uh, so that uh, we conserve water for the future. So that's why I think uh, what you were quoting previously about how the brand purpose is not necessarily a force fit, but rather integrated to the heart of it all is because the link to the product is very much uh, dominantly there. So it's uh, not just a social responsibility campaign uh, that the brand is sort of pursuing, but rather uh, the brand's purpose with link to performance. And it's been in the market for, like I said, quite a long time. Uh, but obviously without a like a dishwasher being present in the household, there's no finish. So at the beginning, when the entire journey started back, I don't know, like 20 years ago, perhaps, uh, the whole intent uh, was about getting the dishwasher into the household. And then only uh, came in the recent uh, reiterations around uh, saving water, thanks to the superior solution part. The power of, of Finnish as a product, like it competes, I know, in the U.S. against the players such as Cascade uh, uh, Detergent. What what your solution does, solution being your product solution, is that you you can actually skip that behavior of you know what what so many consumers do, which is they rinse their dishes off in the sink before they put them into the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. And because of the chemistry of your product, you don't actually have to uh, rinse your dishes in the sink anymore. You can just scrape them off and put them directly into the dishwasher. And the product will then uh, get them sparkling clean, sparkling being a nice word. So th that's the idea here that we're talking about. When we're saving or when we're trying to change consumer behavior, we're trying to change that rent, that pre-rinsing behavior and getting people to to just scrape and place them into the dishwasher. And that is where the uh, the water uh, can be conserved in, in, in dramatic ways. This is not a small amount of water, uh, right, Jim? Yes. Uh, so I think you were very spot on. And um, this act of, uh, you know, rinsing the dishes before the dishwasher is uh, in Turkey uh, done by more than 50% uh, of the population. So we're talking quite a big number. Uh, but at the same time, like uh, um, when you do choose the right detergent 
And when you, like you said, scrape and put them and load them into the dishwasher, uh, then actually you have the chance to save uh, more than 57 liters uh, in just one cycle, which I think corresponds to around like 20 gallons in one wash. So, uh, and when you combine that and multiply it with the entire population that's, you know, uh, pre-rinsing the dishes currently, it amounts to a mid-sized lake, uh, sort of going down the drain every single year. And that's just in Turkey we're talking about. Correct. Yeah, so um, tell us about where the brand stands in terms of market share. Is it the leading? Is it the number two brand in the category? Where does it sit? And is it considered a premium brand or, or not? So Finnish is like an everyday household brand because, you know, dishwashing is an everyday, like every household sort of chore. Um, so it's a, it's very much a mass brand and it's the global market leaders. Uh, the position on market share leadership, though, can change as per markets uh, because particularly around Europe, uh, Finnish is quite strong. Uh, in Turkey, before uh, we started off this journey, that wasn't the case, actually. Uh, we had lost the leadership uh, to our competition. Uh, but over the years, uh, we tried to uh, position our brand to mean something. So in Turkey, uh, I'm proud to say that today, uh, Finnish was able to get the market share leadership after almost seven years. So the Skip the Rinse platform where did that start? Because I know that we had uh, Omar Khan on um, a number of months back um, talking about the, the skip skip the rinse in the U.S. Where did it start? Did it uh, is it a platform that came out of one country and then sort of yes. spread around the world? <laughs> so it started here. Uh, it started here in Turkey, and uh, there was a reason why it started here in Turkey as well, uh, because um, strangely enough. Uh, Turkey is the number one country uh, when it comes to dishwasher penetration, meaning every like nine out of 10 households have a dishwasher. But there was a lot of consumer validation. There was a lot of consumer understanding uh, to even uh, crack that behavior of, uh, you know, why people actually put their dishes clean into the dishwasher. And uh, that's why the, the, the starting point was uh, really here, Turkey. And that was, I think, back in uh, February 2019. It is a bizarre behavior. Why we pre-wish, uh, pre-wash our dishes? It, it is. I mean, it's obviously a learned behavior. Maybe we grew up with somebody who did that, and yeah, and we do it. But it is a sort of bizarre thing. It's like, what's the point of the dishwasher when the when the dishes are already washed? <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, but I uh, yeah, definitely. But uh, like. Going into the shoes of the, you know, like like people, like everybody, everybody folk, uh, you then come to understand that there are multiple reasons why they 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 think they should do it. Uh, like one of the reasons being uh, like they don't think that their detergent is strong enough to remove it. So once you start uncovering like the why, then you start to develop solutions or uh, propositions around how you can really, uh, you know either change behavior or change people's minds. Did the client come to Havas with a brief that said, we want to, we have this platform called Skip the Rinse and we want it connected to water conservation? Or was that something that that the Havas team shaped for the client? Basically, what was only available at the beginning was there was a global direction from Reckitt uh, around like creating a cleaner world and how every brand 
and what they wanted to do in marketing uh, was to be linked to a sustainable development goal. Uh, so for Finnish, this was conserving uh, water resources, uh, SDG 6 in uh, particular, clean water and sanitation. So we knew that as Finnish in dishwashing, that there's a lot of water waste. Uh, but at the same time, it was all just the, the framework was there, but like how to activate wasn't clear. So uh, it was actually a joint discovery uh, between the clients and uh, like within Rekit and Havas that we went on this, uh, you know, the big idea sort of uh, process uh, with, I think it was more than 200 uh, home visits, uh, like uh, a thousand or even more like uh, screeners. So it was only through this uh, extensive uh, understanding process that we were able to uncover the uh, the idle act of pre-rinsing and only then were we able to link it to uh, our product offering. So net-net, I think it was definitely a joint effort uh, and it wasn't like one or the other, I would say. So you guys, by the way, Reckit is the, is the parent company of Finnish. So um, for the listener, that is. Um, so when... I love the fact that you guys went into people's homes to sort of explore the behaviors around washing. And, and that's where that observation around the pre-rinse that came out of that work, Jim? Uh, actually, there was this, uh, I mean, we conducted this study uh, where uh, I think more than uh, on top of the 200 home visits uh, in order to quantify uh, how much water was really being wasted. Uh, we actually, uh, in collaboration with uh, one of the leading, you know, uh, research agencies, uh, we built these labs and uh, we had more than 160 people come in and in these like previously built up uh, kitchens uh, just to wash their dishes, like however they would normally do it. I uh, love that. They, that's great. Like if they were to hand dishwash, then that's what they did. If they were to pre-rinse, then that's what they did. Uh, but there was always this uh, sort of counter, uh, only letting us know later on how much water was being wasted. So they were there under the pretext of, you know, just like a, a kitchen design sort of setup study. Whereas in reality, we were actually assessing how much water was being wasted. That's brilliant. So you were able to you were able to quantify everything with uh by sort of creating this environment that allowed you to observe exactly. it while that actually happened that's exactly. wonderful so uh, so Vulcan you you get you get this information you maybe you've observed some of this research at least you get to see the findings um typically you could have just put out press releases you could have put out a very t- traditional corporate ad uh, encouraging people to skip the rinse but you started to use sort of different you started to use creativity in essence to make the point and change behavior. Um, can you take us inside some of the, the, some of the conversations internally about the directions you might think of going? Because ultimately I believe the first initiative was glasses of drought or were there other ones prior to that? Uh, I guess the first initiative was uh, the documentary called 25 liters that we prepared for the National Geographic. Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the first step. And the glasses of drought was the sparkling launch uh, campaign, PR campaign, let's say, was uh, uh, for that uh, documentary. So in uh, glasses of drought, we first uh, introduced uh, the documentary. Uh, in collaboration with National Geographic. 
then uh, used the, uh, a popular event uh, for glasses of drought to launch the whole campaign. So what what was this documentary? It was called 25, what again, what was it called? 25 liters. 25 liters. So let me just step in briefly. Uh, I think it goes back to like as to why uh, it wasn't just a TV campaign or like or it wasn't just a spot uh, sort of uh, model was because this was the first time that uh, a detergent brand, you know, a widely available uh, detergent brand, uh, was not going to talk about you know the stains on uh, on dishes, or not removing grease, or you know like uh, giving sparkling shine, but something bigger and uh, as big as water, which is like the the most essential you know element for us to survive. So uh, taking that on brings a huge responsibility, and also brings a huge risk, by the way, because you know a detergent brand talking about water or saving water. So therefore, that's where the, uh, you know, the credibility aspect needed to come in, you know, giving like who's giving us the license to talk about saving water here in Turkey. And at the time, we didn't have the license. So that's why the documentary that uh, Volkan was uh, alluding to uh, really came in, because uh, that was actually a partnership uh, with National Geographic. It was a docudrama, so a semi-scripted documentary. Uh, which uh, half of it was around a, a distant future, a very distant likely future, where Istanbul, a metropolitan, runs out of water and people need to survive uh, with 25 liters uh, per day. And the rest of it is this celebrity uh, sort of spokesperson experiencing uh, what water scarcity really means in the context of Turkey, and then discovering like what we can still do today so that that distant future is actually does not turn into a reality. It wasn't just aired on National Geographic, but it was also aired on their uh, partner channel, which is the most uh, viewed uh, TV channel here in Turkey. And it was, I think, aired more than 72 times, which gave us a reach of uh, more than 25 million people. So that's where the credibility you know, uh, aspect and the awareness aspect sort of comes in, which is then also closely linked to glasses of drought because uh, we needed to make it uh, like Turkey relevant. And uh, we needed to sort of really uh, start the entire movement uh, with uh, key opinion leaders and like influential people, uh, which is why we use one of the most uh, influential forums uh, in Turkey to do the launch. So my understanding is that this this forum was the sort of the Davos of Turkey, exactly. right? Exactly. Yes. And so the, you were looking at both an NGO and a policy community audience as well as the consumer audience. Exactly. That. We got to remind people that the source of of drinking water is typically natural lakes or man-made lakes, which tend to be sort of uh, bound by land, uh, which which sort of begins to lead to the idea of where glasses of drought came from, the the actual execution of it. Um, Volcan, you've got you've got uh, you've got twenty five liters is already in market. You have this Davos like event coming up where business leaders, government policy people, the media uh, are going to be present. What was what were you trying to create in that environment, and how? And then describe ultimately what the idea was that you came up with. Well, actually, we needed to make a noise. And uh, as uh, John mentioned before, Turkey was 
uh, back then had been losing its water reserves for years. I mean, uh, some of the very important and well-known lakes were already completely gone. And we've been facing severe droughts since the 80s, I guess, uh, because of the overpopulation, I mean, urbanization, industrialization, and stuff like that. Uh, and of course, the global uh, warming and the climate change. The goal was simply to get the attention of that crowd and start the story from there. And there were academicians, politicians, and business people attending to the event. And although being key decision, decision makers in their own disciplines, they generally don't consider themselves as a target group of any advertising campaign or any idea. Uh, that gave us a surprise effect, of course. So um, you guys somehow, this glasses of drought idea gets developed. What inspired it? Is it one of these things that, you know, we, we like to think about it from an idealistic point of view, that it came, it came from somebody when they were having a shower or something or they were out for a run. It's just like it just this magical moment where it, it pops into somebody's mind. What's the reality of where that idea came from? Because it's a brilliant idea. And then we'll, yeah. we'll, then we'll describe it. Well, uh, the idea came from one of our art directors back then, Serhan, and sending cheers to him if he's listening to this episode. I wasn't in that magic uh, moment, but uh, I know all the details. Well, uh, I mean, for the, for, for the brand, for Finnish, the glasses were a symbol of cleanliness for a very, very long time. And, but uh, according to the uh, international and trusted organizations, we are running, running, running fast towards a time where we will find it hard to fill uh, the glasses with water. So, and Turkey's lakes were drying. We thought that was a dramatic and undeniably visible place to start. We have glasses and we we won't have any waters to fill them. And uh, where we can see that from the disappearing lakes. So we detected the most damaged lakes, examined their uh, topography in detail in 3D. Uh, make the shape of the lake and made so it, glass it, you did it in 3D. Yeah, yeah. And made glasses out of the shapes of the uh, water containers of the lakes, let's say. The percentage of the water uh, uh, each glass can contain was the exact percentage of the water left in that lake. And it was done in individually for uh, each and every lake. Now I hope yeah. I can I hope I hope the listener can get this because I, I I knew when we when we recorded this, this would be the most difficult thing to try and get people to visualize in their mind. So if you think about it, if you look at if you're looking at a, a side of a glass, um if a lake has lost 80 percent of its volume, then the glass is filled with a mold that takes up 80% of the space. But it's not like it's just a a a, a vertical or a sort of a horizontal line, like the glass is 80% full. It actually has a jagged mold in it that reflects the typography of that specific lake. So when you're looking at the side of the glass, it's as if you're looking at an iceberg underwater where it has that it looks beautiful like that 
but it's actually reflecting the fact that only 20% of of what of the lake uh, of the water in that lake remains uh so we had five uh different classes uh depicting the topography for five different lakes and uh some of them like i think one of them couldn't even hold any water in because there was no more water left in the in that lake so think of like five different lakes five different topographies and all with five different like fill levels of how much water it can hold because it reflects whatever like however much water there is in that lake that's how much you can fill the glass uh, in the same scale yeah i hope we're doing it justice because and i'd encourage people again to go on the website and check it out but it does i think the best way to think about it is that side view as if you're below water level and you're seeing that jagged outline of the iceberg below water but the uh and so it's it's the space that the iceberg is taking up represents the 20% of the entire glass or the, or the 13% or the 50 but it just looks like it's a solid piece of glass with just that jagged outline of the iceberg at the top and when so when you try to pour water into it it only fills that 15 or 20% which is pretty surprising for the person who wants to drink from it right yeah and it was a very difficult production process, by the way, as you can imagine. Yeah. We, we, tried, we tried many, many glass producers to and to reach the final product, and it was really tedious. Because the whole thing is glass. It's not like it, you can see yeah. the visual typography of the actual lake. It's no color. It's just all solid, clear glass, except for that open 20% or whatever it is at the top. And, and so... Was there also some message printed on those individual glasses? Basically, what it said was, this water can hold only this much water. This glass can only hold this much water uh, because it represents uh, the available water reserves in this lake, which is it, which it's depicting. And it came as a set of five. The uh, 22nd of March was the day. I remember it because it was the World Water Day. And exactly. We chose that day to hack the event and change all the glasses in the event with the ones that we designed. It was <laughs> a <good> shock. <laughs> now, when you say you hacked the event, what did you mean by hacked? Uh, we changed all the glasses in the event uh, in the tables uh, with the ones we designed, as I said, and then we changed the glasses uh before the uh, i mean in front of the speakers uh while they were uh speaking to the audience and it was quite a shock i guess so when I you mean, say when you when you say hack did you i think of it as sort of a covert operation where you guys yes, didn't you didn't have yes. permission but you did it anyway is that what you mean by hack so did, you have, did you have did you have permission okay. to do it or did you do it as a, a covert op so, uh, it was, I think, a joint, uh, I mean, it was both, because the speaker uh, platforms, uh, it was a covert op, uh, but the rest of the uh, venue space uh, was actually, you know, we did it in collaboration with the summit. Um, and But, like, all of a sudden, think of a speaker who's trying to pour water into his glass, or, <laughs> like, their glass, yeah. and the water is spilling, or, like, they cannot put any in because it cannot hold any. And it always was followed with uh, sort of like a, a, a symposium on 
the water scarcity and like how it's a big threat in Turkey. So it served as the as the segue for uh, explaining this entire thing. I love it. It's great. Just just such a great idea. Um, and then you follow up glasses of drought the next year. That was twenty twenty. Was glasses of drought twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. And yes. then you follow up. Was it was was water index then in twenty twenty one or or what? Twenty twenty. How would you describe the sort of st- your strategic goal for water index? It's hard for people to visualize uh, what water like water pool really means or how close we are uh, to that level on a running basis. There's no one source that tells you uh, on a you know spectrum of water scarce to water abundant uh, where Turkey sits on that uh, specific time point. So that's where the idea really uh you know emerged from so that's where the uh, the water index was uh had the play to uh, had the role to play in because it was constantly updated meaning we were able to keep track of on it was uh it was published on a weekly basis so we could track on uh, the full year uh, 52 weeks on how the country is doing uh, from a water availability point of view before we jump into into it, I want to make the point because this this is not like Vulcan. This is not an idea that you might typically think of as coming out of a, an advertising or marketing agency. That's what's sort of cool about this, that somebody came up with the water index. And, and so this is not necessarily something that is an ad or an ad-like object. This is something that's really sort of comes from a clear understanding of the the business side, the economics, the the financial markets. Where did it come from? Did it did it come from the client, and you had to then um, you had to sort of operationalize it, or did it co- again come from inside the agency or, or together working together? Well, actually, it was a brilliant uh, uh, idea conducted by uh, Hawas agencies. In Turkey, Hawas Creative Group agencies has several uh, creative group has several agencies in Turkey. So a joint operation uh, lead us to the uh, final idea, and it was a really really hard operation because everyone was like, after hearing the idea, they are looking at you like, "Are you crazy? You are go- yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's so unusual, but it's brilliantly unusual. Well, yeah, and it is. Uh, I mean. Basically, it is a regularly computed formula, uh, and it is updated weekly. Uh, we went to to talk with one of the most reputable state banks uh, in the country and collaborated with them, worked with them. Uh, water assets, agricultural, domestic, and industrial uh, water consumption data all form this formula uh, together and to give us uh the true worth of our water action uh if the index uh if the collaboration of this uh data is above a certain level then it means we are okay and we are water rich and when it is below some specific uh level then it means we are in trouble so this so, is this is not dissimilar if i'm getting this right this is not dissimilar to the commodities markets, you know, here in the U.S. and I believe around the world, you might have grain futures 
and corn futures and commodities futures that are sort of based upon formulas that predict the availability of grain six months down the road. And that, that determines the price of grain uh, today and in the future. And that's something that's done by the financial markets, by the traders, uh, by people within that industry. They create a formula that then that then gets posted on the ticker tape in the stock yeah. exchange, right? So people can see what the grain futures are. And so people with an interest in that are made aware of it. And then that's reported on the news every evening, on the financial networks, on the news networks. That's what we're talking about here is that you created an index, not for grains and for corn, but yep. for water. Yeah, and uh, exactly. And the index was actually launched at stock exchange uh, and it reached millions of people. And uh, if I'm not wrong, when a water's value, uh, as you said, is quantified and people see it between currencies and stocks in a ticker tape, then they started to look at look at it from a different perspective. That yeah. was what we were aiming from the start. How does the consumer, the everyday consumer, who's not necessarily watching the ticker tape every day, how are they getting exposed to the message in order to, uh, you know, change their behaviors or become more aware? It was also integrated into uh, some of the running uh, uh, TV series. It was integrated into uh, news programs. It was integrated uh, into other uh, documentaries that we also uh, produced. Uh, so it wasn't just a ticker integration uh, per se, but it was uh, it was run on multiple platforms, so so that it could uh, access a wider reach. So what jam? What what have been some of the results? from these initiatives what can you share with us in terms of either brand lift or awareness of the of the issue or product uh, or product sales lift are you seeing anything that you can share with us so at that time when we started this journey back in 2019 the prep started in 2018 and what we know uh, what we knew back then was uh, we had lost share leadership penetration leadership uh, but also equity leadership meaning uh, the top of mind wasn't there. All of the key category drivers, uh, we were suffering uh, versus competition. So we needed something drastic. And uh, it wasn't it was never just a comp solution, but it was uh, it, it, it needed to be uh, running across all pillars, uh, meaning uh, it needed to be on trade, it needed to be on comps, it needed to be uh, in store. So it needed to be everywhere. Um, so since then, uh, because the the buy-in uh, for for the for the movement uh, was across all pillars of the organization, uh, that's how it was really able to be successful. Because uh, looking back, uh, after like uh, almost we're about to enter into its fifth years, uh, we now uh, have closed the gap on uh, all key equity metrics. Uh, emerged as the leader on, you know, top of mind and uh, some of the key category drivers. Uh, at the same time, uh, we are now the most penetrated uh, detergent and dishwashing brand in the country. And at the same time, uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we got the market share leadership after seven years. Obviously, this doesn't mean 
that it was all due to uh, what we've been doing around around uh, brand purpose and link to performance. But it was all this well-oiled machine working together uh, that was able to achieve these goals. But what this campaign really did was to unite everyone under the same uh, under the same cause, uh, aiming for the same dream. Let's say. And so, one of the things that that um, many people fear when they do and execute on brave ideas is is backlash. Mm-hmm. or a competitive reaction. And I'm just curious, your key competitors, um, what did they do once you were coming out consistently with these initiatives built around water conservation and responsibility? Did they begin to launch their own version of it or have they stayed silent? Uh, they have uh, actually launched a very similar initiative around food waste. Or uh, they also started, uh, you know, venturing upon the same territory of uh, working without parents. But at the same time, you know, this is actually something great because the more brands uh, that venture into this arena, uh, the more better uh, we all can do as a society. But obviously, uh, once uh, it's not an easy model to replicate because it's never just a uh, an ad campaign. It uh, it takes its uh, you know inspiration from uh, it's based in creativity that's never easy to replicate and it's based in credibility uh, through strong partners again which is very difficult to replicate. So I um I wanted to thank Volkan Dalkal I'm probably going to mess up the pronunciations of your names. Forgive me. Volkan is V O. If you want to follow up and connect with Volkan, it's V O L K A N. Last name D A L K I L I C. He is chief creative officer at Havas in Istanbul, and it is uh, it's pronounced Jam, but it is C E M. And your last C E M. So that's how it's spelled. Yes. Yes, and then its last name is is is. I'm going to give it a shot because I I I, I owe you the respect of trying, Oguskan. Uh, so the C as in my first name. Also try it with the last name. Okay, uh, August Jam. August Jam. Yes, there you go. There you All go. right, man. There you go. I'm proud. I, really, I really want to be able to do that, but and it's spelled O G U Z C A N, and he is a category marketing manager for Finnish and surface care at Reket in Turkey. Thank you so much for your time. Just just brilliant thinking and brilliant work uh, on on both of your behalves. Thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And we will see everybody on the next episode.